The following afternoon, Megan's brother Thomas was 15 minutes late home from school. Megan was with her mother, who was standing at the kitchen sink peeling potatoes. As she peered through the yellow curtains toward the boulevard, she hoped her mother wasn't watching the clock. If she noticed that her son hadn't arrived yet, even after repeated warnings to come straight home from school, she'd become frantic. Megan saw the truck before she saw Thomas. It was an 18-wheeler, huge, its cab bright yellow and shiny black. It wasn't going very fast, probably only 35 miles an hour. The unusual sound of the truck engine made Mrs. Logan glance toward the boulevard. It all happened very quickly. The truck heaved its lumbering bulk around a corner just as Thomas came whizzing down the street. Thomas should have had plenty of time to stop. All he had to do was use his brakes. He tried. They saw him try. They watched as his hands clenched the brake levers again and again, squeezing with all his might. Nothing happened. The new red and silver bicycle never even slowed down. It aimed straight for the mammoth metal truck as if it were magnetized. As the bicycle and the truck collided, Thomas's skinny little body flew up into the air as if shot from a cannon. It somersaulted twice before slamming back down to the ground, landing on a thin strip of green dividing the boulevard. Thomas! Oh, my God! Thomas! Connie Logan raced for the front door and out of the house. People began running out of their houses to gather in horrified silence at the scene. A woman in a blue bathrobe took one look and ran back inside to call for help. The few cars on the boulevard came to a standstill. Megan floated above the broken figure of her brother, frantic with horror and fear. There was time for him to stop, to get out of the way. And he tried to use his brakes. I saw him. Why didn't he stop? Thomas couldn't give her any answers. He was unconscious, bleeding from the nose. When the ambulance arrived, the attendants said nothing as they gently lifted him onto a stretcher and into the back of the vehicle, their faces grinned. Mrs. Logan climbed in beside him as they closed the doors and pulled away. Although Megan desperately wanted to go to the medical center with them, she stayed behind to wait for Juliet. She was about to return to the house when she saw Juliet standing on the corner. Juliet, Thomas has been hurt. I saw it. How bad is Thomas hurt? Bad. I'm going to the hospital. You'd better come too. When they arrived at the hospital, they found Megan's distraught parents. It seemed years before the doctor appeared from the surgery doors and walked towards them. Mr. and Mrs. Logan? How is he, doctor? He's fine now. He's resting. But I'm afraid he'll be here for some time. He has a fractured pelvis, broken leg, and concussion. <sighs> can we see him? You can peek in. I just don't want him to be alone when he wakes up. <laughs> when they got home, Megan's father went straight to bed, while Juliet checked the answering machine in the kitchen to see if Justin had called. There were messages from Hillary, from Cappy, and from the hair salon at the mall confirming Miss Logan's appointment on Saturday afternoon. Juliet, I told you to cancel that appointment. Oh, golly, Megan, I forgot. I'll do it tomorrow first thing. I promise. Megan fled upstairs. Surely Juliet would understand that with a second member of her family injured, it was now time for Megan to become herself again. But when Juliet came upstairs a few minutes later, she had a surprise of her own. Megan, wait till you see what I've got. Swinging the denim shoulder bag over the bed, she turned it upside down and dumped out its contents. Out came six or seven sheets of folded construction paper and a handful of brightly colored crayons. Julia, what is this? Where did you get all this stuff? In Donnie Richardson's locker. Julia, what if he had seen you? 
If he's the one behind all this... Megan, I didn't do it as you. I did it as me, so no one could have seen me. I can leave your body if I need to. It was the only way I could check out Donnie's locker. You can leave? Just like that? Whenever you want? Listen, never mind that now. I'm going to take all this stuff and the drawings you found to the sheriff tomorrow. I figure if he arrests Donnie, things will calm down. Juliet, I... Megan, I told you everything would be okay. And it will be. Now I've got to put these things away and go eat something. I'm starved. Night, Megan. Juliet went off downstairs. Her step as she left the room was light and happy. If the sheriff arrests Donnie tomorrow, I won't have to worry about something happening to Juliet. I'll still be here, in this awful place. It'll only be for two more days, and then it will all be over. So why didn't Megan feel better, she asked herself. Because she didn't. She didn't feel better at all. When Megan came inside the next morning after a long, lonely night out on the lake, Juliet had already gone. The room was a mess. There were clothes everywhere, and the closet door stood open. Inside it, something caught Megan's attention. Hanging beside her new turquoise party dress was a short, black, strapless dress with a hot pink cummerbund and a full skirt. Where did it come from? I would never buy a dress like this. It's too sophisticated. More Juliet's speed than mine. But Juliet isn't going to be at the party. So why does she need a new dress? Does she have a big date with Justin tonight? Megan spent the day at the medical center, encouraged by Thomas's condition. He wasn't talking much, but he was conscious. Hoping for good news, Megan went to school at the end of the day to ask Juliet about her visit to the sheriff's office. And the first person she saw leaving Philippa was Donnie Richardson unaccompanied by Sheriff Toomey, no handcuffs on his wrists. Strangely enough, he looked like an ordinary, lonely boy. Megan couldn't find Juliet at Philippa, so she decided to try the house. But there was no one there. Each room was silent and still. Where was she? Maybe Juliet had gone straight to the hospital after school. Megan raced over there. Juliet wasn't at the hospital, but Sheriff Toomey was. He was bending over Thomas's bed, with Mr. and Mrs. Logan looking on from behind. So, Thomas, you're saying you tried to stop, but couldn't? Yeah, that's what happened. Hmm. Is my bike okay? Mom says you guys took it to get it checked out. Sure, son. Your bike will be fine once it's fixed. You just lie here and get better. What do you think, Sean? Doesn't make any sense to me. Go figure. The guy in the truck says he tried to stop and couldn't. So did your son. We're looking into it, but I don't expect we'll find anything more than we found in the wind girl's accident. Or yours, Connie. That wasn't an accident, Sheriff. Maybe not. But there are no leads and no clues. I remember 30, 40 years ago, when your mom was young and theirs was the only house out there on the lake. Martha told me they never locked the doors or windows, not even at night. No reason to. Well... Time sure have changed. I'll say. I better go. I'll be in touch as soon as I learn anything new. Thank you, Sheriff. Thanks. Megan watched as the sheriff moved off wearily down the corridor. He hadn't said a word about the drawings or the things found in Donnie's locker. Juliet obviously hadn't told him yet. But why? 
She would have to find Juliet and ask her. But where was she? Megan returned to the house again, and a wave of relief washed over her when she found Juliet in the bedroom, rummaging around in the closet. Juliet, where have you been? I've been looking all over for you. Justin and I went for a ride. A ride? I thought something terrible had happened to you. You should have gone to the hospital after school. Mom and Dad could use some support. I was there this morning. Thomas seemed so much better, I decided to come home and rest up for my date with Justin tonight. We're going over to his house. Cappy and Barb and Hillary are coming too, I think. It'll be fun. Juliet, did you talk to Sheriff Toomey? What did he say? Meg and I rushed right over there when I got up this morning, but he wasn't there. If I'd waited for him, I'd have been late to school and you told me not to cut any more classes. Juliet! My friends and my family have almost been killed. We're still in danger. Megan, think a minute. Thomas is in the hospital, and your parents are safe there, too. And I'll be safe at Justin's house. Nothing more is going to happen tonight. I'll see the sheriff first thing tomorrow, I promise. Juliet, where did that dress come from? The black one with the pink trim. Oh, Megan, you are such a snoop. I bought that dress for you as a surprise, and now you've spoiled it. But I have a dress. Juliet, I'm not wearing that black dress to my party. I'm wearing the one that I picked out, so you can take that one back tomorrow. Oh, all right. But I think it's gorgeous, and I think you're crazy. It's hard to believe that she and my grandmother were friends. They aren't anything alike. While Juliet was dressing, Megan remembered Sheriff Toomey's remark about her grandmother's house being the only one on the lake 40 years ago. Then where had Juliet lived? Juliet, where did you live? When you lived here, I mean? Was it on this street? Before Juliet could answer, the telephone shrilled. It was Cappy, confirming that she was going to be at Justin's house that evening. That's great. We'll pick up some goodies and make a real night of it, okay? Megan was swept up in a wave of overpowering envy. A night at Justin's surrounded by friends sounded wonderful to her. She couldn't wait to be back in her own world again. And there was only one more night and one more day to go. Hearing her parents arriving home from the hospital, Megan went to see how her brother was. From what they said, Thomas was doing much better. But Connie still intended to go back to the hospital that evening. The idea of her father being alone in the house only made Megan more anxious. Anything could happen. I can't keep an eye on both Dad and Juliet when they're in two different places. Why didn't Juliet invite everyone over here tonight? She knows how worried I am about the Tom-Tom drawing. Megan hurried upstairs to ask Juliet to switch the gathering to the Logan's house. But she was too late. When she entered the room, it was empty. Juliet was gone. Megan spent a long, lonely night not leaving the house until her father went to bed. Then she went out to roam the lake for one last time. It was very late when she returned to the house. Juliet was in bed, sound asleep. Megan was surprised. If it were me, I'd want to squeeze the juice out of every last minute. When morning finally arrived, Juliet went to see the sheriff as promised, and Megan went with her. But he wasn't there. When they returned home from running errands, they found Megan's father up on a ladder on the stone terrace, stringing brightly colored lights for Megan's party. Since Juliet was safely home, Megan kept an eye on her father and followed him when he climbed down from the ladder to get a glass of iced tea in the house. Juliet was nowhere to be seen. Anxiously, Megan went upstairs and into the bedroom. The curtains were drawn, and Juliet was lying on the bed, 
perfectly still. Her eyes closed, legs straight, arms at her sides. Her skin looked smooth and waxen. Megan was dumbfounded. Suddenly from the terrace outside came an almighty crash. Juliet sat bolt upright, wide awake now, and jumped from the bed. Megan, what was that? Megan flew downstairs with Juliet right behind her. The ladder had fallen through the big sitting room picture window. Megan's father was lying on his back, outside, in the midst of all the broken glass. The, the ladder just tipped right over. That's weird. Can you get up? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, no. oh. That's okay. Come on. Oh. All right, I'm fine. Come into the kitchen. We'd better see to those cuts. Okay. Uh, As she watched Juliet tending Tom Logan's wounds, Megan couldn't help feeling that something very strange was going on. Had Juliet really been asleep when that ladder fell? She hadn't looked asleep. Juliet had been as stiff and rigid as a statue, like there was no one in there. Juliet said she could leave my body anytime she wanted. Where did she go? Suspicion began to gnaw at Megan. Wasn't it just a bit too coincidental that the ladder had fallen at the exact moment when Juliet didn't seem to be in Megan's body? When she leaves my body, no one can see or hear her. There would never be any witnesses because Juliet would be invisible. Megan thought about the night of her mother's accident. Juliet had been with Justin in the den, watching a movie. It would only have taken Juliet a second to leave Megan's body and dart out to the dock to attack her mother. Justin wouldn't even have noticed. Think about it, Megan. Does she look like someone whose time is almost up? Is she depressed? No. Not at all. She seemed perfectly calm. Juliet finished her nursing duties and ran lightly up the stairs. Megan's suspicions crept on relentlessly as the pieces of the dark puzzle slotted into place. The black dress with the pink cummerbund. A hair appointment. They weren't intended for me. They were for Juliet. She never planned to give me back my life. She's gonna keep it for herself. She's gonna have her birthday party after all. It was all a trick.